At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. Amen, thanks for singing with us, everybody. Thanks, Sarah and Eric, for holding things together. I mean, yeah, we really miss Kate and Danny, but praise God for their servant's heart. Now, let let me say this too. I know Eric would want me to say this. In a crowd this size, there's got to be someone out there that can play guitar, play drums, or something that can continue to help this ministry grow. So if you have that gift, if you'd like to use that for the Lord, talk to Eric. They're always open for more people uh, to serve with them in this very important ministry. We're so thankful for them. Ecclesiastes. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Ecclesiastes uh, as we're going through the series called Smoke and Mirrors. And let me ask you as we get rolling, have you ever heard the term FOMO? Ever use that? Danny, any idea what that means? Huh? FOMO. F-O-M-O. Ever use that in your texting or anything? It's a, it's a, it's a word that was added actually to the English language by the American hit. Uh, Heritage Dictionary in 2013. As you know, the English language, like all languages, continues to change as cultural trends bring in different terminology and different language that you try to use to capture these ideas. They added this word because seven years earlier, Facebook and Instagram and those social media tools started becoming into vogue with all of us as, as, uh, throughout the world, really. And you and me and we became really concerned with what everybody was doing, right? Who's having a birthday party? Where are you going? What are you eating? What are you doing? And suddenly there became this passion in people's heart to, well, I want to do that. I want to go there. Oh, we'd love to get one of those too. So there became this psychological state of people in our world that, we used an acronym to describe it, the fear of missing out. We don't want to miss out, whether it's doing it ourselves or at least knowing what you're doing. You want to know. You want to be in the know. You want to, you want to experience it or you want to know who is experiencing it. So this, this new word hit our language, even to the point of adding to the dictionary, the fear of missing out. Well, in our passage this morning, Ecclesiastes 2, we encounter a character named Solomon, king of Israel, who seemed to have this this condition. He didn't want to miss out on anything. And he came to this idea that if I have the means to do it, and there's some promise that maybe it'll be fun or pleasurable, why not? I don't want to miss out on anything. So he says in his words, in his own language, he says, I pursued my, set my heart so that I wouldn't miss out on anything. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what it says. He writes, 
I said in my heart, come now, I'll test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it's mad and a pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guided me with wisdom. And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of the growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. I had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possession of herds and flocks and more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. And my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And all this was my reward for all my toil. And then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. What a description of his life. And he says, I'm going after this. Pleasure, accumulation, and accomplishments. Whatever looks appealing, that's me. I'm going after it because there's got to be something satisfying there. So he took out the limits. He didn't need to. He had the money to do it. So why not just go after it all so you don't miss out on a thing? We get this sense of kind of a house tour. He's like, he's saying, come, come here. I want to show you what I did. I want to show you my property and what I did. I want to show you my trophy case. I want to show you my house. I want you to see what I've done. I don't know how many of you read the Detroit Free Press. Uh, I subscribe online, and every weekend there's this column called Michigan House of Envy. Has anybody seen it? Four of us. Good. Well, as the title might suggest, it's a, it's a, it's a weekend column that highlights one of the houses that's for sale in the metro Detroit area, and this typically is not just any house. Typically, they're multi-million dollar homes, you know, with all, you know, with, with no limits, it seems. You know, 30-car garages and park-like settings and not just in, indoor uh, swimming pools, but like multiple. So one recently had a full-court gymnasium with an observation deck. This is their house. And it's, you can see all the pictures online and in the newspaper, you can see yourself. Well, this is kind of like Solomon saying, this is the Jerusalem house of envy. I just want you to watch this. Come on, let me take you on a tour. He says, have you seen my pub? I got a private pub. He takes this in. He says, I can drink all of this. It's all mine. I don't drink too much, he says. I kept my wisdom with me. 
Maybe he's referring to the wisdom that his mom gave him that says, uh, remember, don't drink too much because that's for poor people and people that are miserable, that try to, to drown themselves in sorrows. You don't have sorrow. You have joy. So enjoy and, and consume responsibly. So I did. Look at all this. He says, don't stop here. Come here. Come over here. I want to show you this incredible garden. I've got all kinds of trees. You name it, I've got it. I've had them brought, saplings brought from all parts of the known world. And I've planted them in my area. And I dug pools so that it can be watered so there's no limit to what I've experienced in botany and nature. This is incredible. You'll lo love my yard. You're going to love my treasury too. I have my own bank. He says, come here, come back into the, inside of my palace and check this out. He opens this, this big vault and we go in and we say, whoa, look at the treasury of this guy. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 10, it says this. He says, the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. Now, a talent is about $1.5 million worth. Do the math. It's a lot of gold. <laughs> It came from explorers, from the businesses of the merchants, from all the kings of the west, from the governors of the land. Later he says, I, I made an ivory throne, overlaid it with finest gold. It had six steps and 12 lions around each, on a, one of the six steps. He says, all my drinking vessels were of gold. He says, I didn't use any silver because silver is, you know, that's for common people. I just use gold. It says, the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with a fleet of harem. At once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. No house is complete without peacocks. There's peacocks around here, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, house of envy. Right? You know you've arrived when you've got peacocks in the yard. This is what he says. This is my house. He says, that's not all. I've got a music room. He said, I've got boy bands. I've got girl groups. Not just their albums. I got the groups. They're in my house. You want to see the bedroom? Kids are gone, right? Kids are out of the, Oh, there's a couple here. He says, in my bedroom. In my bedrooms, I've got concubines, one for almost every day of the year. Whatever I wanted, I pursued. And I achieved it. I've accumulated it. I've accomplished it. What a life. Interestingly, he says, and you may be caught this, he says in verse 10, he said, And my heart found pleasure in all my toil. Maybe you're thinking already, oh boy, here's another one of those sermons at church that says if you have nice things, you probably shouldn't. Well, here's the interesting thing. He said, I, my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And if you're honest with us today, you probably have too. Right? You've probably experienced the joy that this world offers. I mean, maybe some of you, that's why you moved here, 
Because is there anything more calming than the, the beautiful blue water flowing by? And on the front of the house, there's like traffic and noise. But on the back of the house where the canal is, that's peace. And you felt that. Joe has experienced the great pleasure of finishing a task, of creating something, crafting something, whether it's a house or a table, or uh, maybe you found it with settling an account or designing a fuel system. Some of you found great pleasure on a vacation to a tropical region where you just sit back and see the beautiful environment. Some of you have loved exploring the world, seeing different cultures and different scenery that you hadn't seen before. And some of you find peace out in the boat. You watch your line. If fish bites, great. If not, still, your life is so much better than most people's. Maybe you have a hobby that seems to relieve your stress. You have felt the pleasure that this planet offers to you. So interesting, the scripture doesn't seem to say, well, stop it. (laughs) You caught five fish, Joe? You shouldn't have. You should be in church. I know, it's Monday. But still, you know, just don't, don't experience, it doesn't seem to be what the word is saying. Even in Solomon's story, he doesn't seem to be saying there was no pleasure in the things that he experienced. But he also concluded, when I looked at everything that I had and I sought the pleasure from all this, I found that it was smoke. Have you ever tried to grasp smoke? You can't. Have you ever go out in a foggy day when you're little and think, whoa, let me try to get some of the... No, there's nothing there. Or uh, Papa Stu, when he makes those huge bubbles, and you think, oh, there it is. I'm going to go get one. You gra- it's, it's gone. That's what he's saying. There was joy in the bubble, but when I tried to find full pleasure in the bubble, I was left with emptiness. If we're honest... In the midst of all the things that we enjoy and found, find pleasure in, we would have to admit that there's this nagging sense of, yeah, but it's not quite enough. The vacation didn't last long enough. The boat wasn't quite big enough. It, the, the, the scenery... It got dark, and I had to go home. The, the new thing that brought us such joy and help needed an upgrade. So we're left with this question, and why is the pleasure that this world offers us, why is it so short-lived? That's the question that Solomon presses into in his writings. I found pleasure in it, but when I tried to express satisfaction in it, I was left with emptiness, emptiness. It's all vanity. So let's answer that question. Why is pleasure from this world so short-lived? He gives us really two explicit answers in his book. Not in this chapter. In this chapter, chapter 2, he's just saying, I didn't find it here. But in chapter 5, he shares with us that, number one, the world does not supply enough pleasure to fully satisfy. 
Write that down in the journal of your life. This world will not supply enough pleasure to fully satisfy. In chapter 5 and verse 10 in this book, Ecclesiastes, the teacher declares, he who loves money and the pleasure it promises will not be satisfied with it, nor he who loves wealth with his income. If you place your affection in those areas, you'll find that it will leave you wanting more. It doesn't have enough to fully satisfy. There's going to be a new edition or a new version. The vacation will end. The fish won't bite. Someone else has one better. And it just, you just reach the end of that, which you enjoyed so much, but then you're left with, okay, now what? Pleasure promises more than it can produce. Pleasure will always promise you more than it can produce. Or as some, one person said, when it comes to pleasure, the advertising agency is better than the manufacturing department. The advertisement of anything that's going to bring you a measure of joy, the advertisement will say it will deliver more than it really will. Anything in this world. Secondly, the other thing he mentions explicitly in this book, he says, every pleasure of the world is temporary. In chapter 5 and verse 15, he says, as the man came from his mother's womb, so shall he go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. In other words, you'll leave it all behind. There's nothing you can take with you. You can work all your life to accumulate it, and the reality is it's going to break, it's going to rot, it's going to be stolen, or you're going to be handing it to somebody else. You won't take a thing with you. It is all temporary. Whether it's an experience, an accomplishment, a thing, a pleasure, it just isn't going to last long. You might even get too old to enjoy it. And what you experience so spent so much of your life trying to get, you reach a point in your age where you think, well, and now I gotta give it to somebody else or sell it or something. Maybe you do, some of you know the name Lawrence Taylor, LT, NFL, Hall of Famer, a linebacker for the New York Giants. He wrote a book. He called it LT, Over the Edge. And he describes his experience like this. This is his words. He says, when I was out on the field, I was Superman. I was like, it was like I operated a higher plane. But when I had to come off the field, something happened. LT became Lawrence. And Lawrence was clueless and completely empty. This is a man that reached the highest pinnacle of NFL dream. And he said, then I retired I looked around, and I'm just Lawrence, and all that work didn't fill my heart. Some have felt, I've, I've talked to pastors that retired, and after they retired and stepped out of church ministry, they felt so empty because their whole identity was wrapped up in pastoring a church, and now with that gone, what's left? Some have found the hardest days for them was those first six months to a year after they retire because 
all their career, all their identity, the respect they got on the job. Now that's gone and now it's empty. Why is that? Because all the pleasure this world offers is temporary. There's other warnings that can be inferred from, the pack, from this passage. In other words, he doesn't say it, but even in his testimony of it gives you that idea that, well, Solomon, yeah, that we can see what your problem was. First of all, he says, in, in his experience, he says that there were pleasures found in illegitimate manners. It's one thing just to write down in your journal of life. There are, there are legitimate pleasures that will be offered to you in illegitimate ways. Things that God designed to give us a measure of pleasure, but he's designed them so we'd experience them in the boundaries where we would experience greatest pleasure. And when we say, well, I don't want his boundaries, I want the pleasure, and we go after him, it will leave us with a nagging, deep sense of emptiness, and they'll all come with consequences. Secondly, we see in his story that self-serving ambitions are woefully unsatisfying. Did you catch when he said, so I planted, made a park and I built a pond and I grew trees for myself. And I did this for myself. And I did this for myself. There's no sense of philanthropy in any of his testimony. It was just, it's for me, it's for me, it's for me. Solomon's example just warns us that, okay, the world has some pleasure, but if you go after it just with that sense of it's going to be for me, for me, for me, you're going to experience a woeful sense of emptiness. Jesus warned us about this. His words were very poignant. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness because one's life does not consist in the abundance of your things. If you're going to try to live a life that consists in the abundance of your things, you'll find empty, empty, all is empty. Whereas our culture suggests that, well, your family is going to be better. Really, your family will be happier if you can get to Disney World. That's where dreams come true. And if your kids would take AP courses and ace them, your dreams will come true. And their life will be great. And if you can join every team, or at least most of them, or at least some of them, that you get the trophy, not the participation trophy, but the real trophy, your life will be a dream. And Solomon warns, I've tried that. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Your life is empty if that's your pursuit. So don't miss Solomon's warning where he says your life does not consist in the abundance of your things. If that's your goal, like was my goal, you'll find it woefully unsatisfying. It's like grabbing smoke. Secondly, As we read the story of Scripture, we see that God himself is a well that will never run dry. 
It is a source of life that will never end. As Jesus said, that he that drinks my living waters will never thirst again. Let me, let me try to explain this. Because you, it's, it would be easy to say, okay, that just doesn't make sense. But let's try to make sense of this. First of all, don't miss in the story of the Bible that God designed you to experience pleasure. Don't miss that. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, when you read the story, you can see that God took great care in designing the garden so it was beautiful. In fact, it says, and the fruit of the trees was pleasant. And then God created his image bearers and says, now enjoy what I've made for you. He created us with the ability to not just eat to stay alive, How many would be first in line to say, I've experienced that eating is great fun? Would you agree? Uh-huh. How many here would experience greatest pleasure with lots of sweets? Can I see your hand? Uh-huh. How many here would say, ah, the sweets so much, the barbecue is where my game is? How many love the barbecue? You did it again? You raised your hand again? Joe? Uh-huh. How many would say, actually, church family, if you just eat healthy, it is great pleasure in the delicious fruits and the vegetables, if you just got to cook them right and everything natural and get rid of the chemicals. How many would say you discovered by eating a healthy diet that there's more pleasure in eating the healthy diet than the junk food? Can I see your hand? Yeah, it's true. Do you know where that comes from? Your creator. How many here have ever walked out and saw the beautiful scenery and your jaw drops and says, this is incredible. How many have seen the joy of nature? Do you know where that comes from? Your creator. So you don't need to feel guilty when you experience pleasure in his world because he designed you to experience it and coupled it with a world that's beautiful and said, watch what happens when I bring these two together. Humans, like no other creation, enjoying the beauty of my creation. That brings glory to God. Like the psalmist says, when I consider the heavens, the moon, and the stars which you have made, who am I that you take pleasure in me? God designed you for pleasure. Secondly, God designed you to experience the greatest pleasure in Him. In Psalm 1611, the psalmist comes to the conclusion in his, his life. He says that in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The two things that Solomon says the world can't offer me. Full pleasure, that's in the presence of God. Pleasure forevermore, that's in the presence of God. 
Solomon says, the world, it ends. It, it, it comes to an end, and it's temporary. The psalmist says, I know, Solomon. It's because you're looking for the wrong thing that's found in God. Full pleasure forevermore. Being our creator, he knows what most fills our soul. Back to the story of the scripture. In the Garden of Eden, when God brought Adam and Eve into the garden and says, eat from every tree, it's yours to enjoy except this one. It's not for you. And Adam and Eve, instead of finding pleasure in the joy of the God that walks with them in the garden, they said, let's, let's walk away from him. Let's participate in the forbidden tree because there's got to be joy outside of God and what he provides. And that's why this world is such a mess. That's why you step out into nature and the beautiful tropical scene that some of you have experienced in your vacation, but in a very similar shoreline, there's been hundreds of thousands of deaths when that ocean water roars over that coastal land and obliterates it because our world, our nature is raging in brokenness. That's why the beautiful snow-covered mountainscape is so beautiful from one sense, and there's people that grieve the loss of life because of the avalanche in another sense. Because mankind has sought to find pleasure outside of God and His hands, brokenness has fallen into our world. Well, God wasn't content with that. He knew he didn't, he didn't create humankind to experience the destruction that comes from his world. So he moved heaven and earth so it, it wouldn't be forever. So he, he sent his one and only son to this earth to take on human flesh, to live amongst us, to show what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And then being the one perfect sacrificial lamb, he was taken to the cross, he was nailed on the cross of Calvary to pay for your sins and mine to reunite us with God so that the pleasure that is all temporary can now be an instrument of God's provision into our life so as we pursue God again, as we have personal relationship with him, the joy of knowing him and receiving his grace and his benefits can be fullness of joy pleasures forevermore. Where Jesus says, he who ever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That knowing God and making him our greatest pursuits allowed us, allows us to find satisfying pleasure even in temporary things. When he becomes first, when your relationship with him becomes primary, then as you experience his world with him first, all these pleasures that abound in our world can be seen as God's gift of grace to you. 
Oh, you don't have to find full pleasure there. You know, you know that this, this boat tour, that's not going to fully satisfy you. You're not going into it saying, this is going to fill my tank. You're not doing that. God fills your tank. But if he's given you the means to explore his world, you can experience more delight in God by experiencing this boat tour. That's what, that's what Solomon concluded. He says there's actually joy in some of this toil, but here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Pursue him. Make him your ultimate ambition. And that all these little trinkets can be experienced as a measure of pleasure from the hand of your creator. Psalm 84.11 says, The Lord our God is a sun and a shield. In other words, he's my provider, he's my protector. So that's primary. And then he says, living in that way, where God is my son, he is my shield, I can know that he will withhold no good thing from me as I walk with him. I was contemplating that this morning. And I, I, don't, know if this, I don't know if this word picture will help make sense to you, kind of like it did to me this morning. I was looking out my back window, spending time in the Word, and looked at the woods. Just the beauty of that, and, you know, the nature that's buzzing inside of it. And it's green, there's white, there's browns, there's blues, there's flowers growing in there. It's a beautiful place. But what if, what if I came from the desert of Arizona, and I was just plopped right here in the edge of the forest, and I thought, this is incredible. I'm just going to go romp in this world, in this newfound discovery of this nature, and I'm just going to enjoy it all. So he runs through there as a desert dweller, now in the forest, grabbing things, picking flowers, grabbing the raspberries that are now beautifully ripe, and doing all these things, and comes away scratching himself because there's poison ivy in the mist and there's thorn bushes on those raspberries. What if this dude from the deserts of Arizona was plopped at the edge of the forest and there at the edge was this dude who says, hey, I'd love for you to see my forest. You're going to really enjoy this. Come on, come with me. And as he takes them through, he says, now, you see this pine tree? If you, if you hug close to this, you see how the branches are? You can climb up that thing and get about 30 feet up in the air. Go ahead, this is a good one to climb. And he climbs up this tree and he looks around and says, this is incredible up here. Okay, come on down. There's more things I want you to discover. Wait, wait, don't, don't grab that. That's, that's poison ivy. You're not going to want that. So come on over here. wait. Don't eat those berries, because that's not for you, but there's some over here. And he takes it to the, rose, rose, or the, the raspberry bush, and then, and then takes them to the stream that, that flows through there and helps them see how that goes from there to here and, and just the, the, bringing the life-giving water through, through that area. Wouldn't that desert dweller have a much better time exploring the joy of this newfound forest because he came alongside of the owner of it all, who could show him, here's how you discover the pleasure here. But it starts in a relationship with me. Well, that's your loving Heavenly Father 
who says to you, my world is full of pleasure, but there's also brokenness. So do this. Know me. Get to know what I love. Get to know what I don't. Experience my grace, experience my faithfulness, experience my forgiveness and all that I have for you. And let me show you my world. Know that the forest isn't going to fully satisfy you. That will come when you spend time with me. But with me, you can delight in all that I've done for you. The question to us this morning is, which way are you going to live? Are you going to live with the thought of, I don't need God, I need my stuff. Or, I need my stuff and I'll have a little get of God too. Or do you truly want to experience the full pleasure that he has available for you by pursuing him, by knowing him, by digesting the treasure of his word so that you can go out into the world and see the glory of God and his fingerprints all over it you can discover the richness of his grace given to you it all begins with that personal relationship with him some people try to find pleasure with god by avoiding jesus i'm going to find god in nature and god says nature is not where satisfaction is found. It's found by knowing me, and you can only come to me through my son, Jesus. Jesus, the one that removes sin's barrier through his death and resurrection and invites us to know him. So do you know Jesus? We accepted his cleansing, his grace. If you have, don't, don't, don't walk in a distance from him. That's ridiculous. Walk close to him so the pleasures of this world he can freely give you. Some of you have traveled the world. You ever been to places where there's cultures and you've been interacted with churches that, and Keith, I know you have, where, where the people had nothing. They didn't have the, all the bells and whistles that we have in our culture here. But don't they have full joy? Why? Because they've got God. The one that can give fullness of joy and they find beauty and pleasure in all that God provides for them. They don't, they don't worry about accumulating more because more isn't going to give them greater joy. They find joy in the creator and anything he chooses to bless them with. I want to live like that. I want to live fully enjoying all that God gives to me based on a personal relationship with him. And I think you do too, because he created you just like that. Let's pray together. Father, I think we need to start by saying, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us, Lord, for just putting wrong priorities in place where we, even the way we live our lives and spend our money and make our plans, it just seems to suggest that that stuff is better than you. But Lord, the reality is nothing is better than you. There's nothing better than you.
But Lord, Lord, knowing you, getting to know all those attributes that your character possesses and and experiencing your love, Lord, it opens our eyes, kind of removes the cataracts of our eyes so we can see clearly the beauty that you've placed into our world. So would you forgive us, Father? Forgive us for making up much about nothing. Would you return our hearts to loving you deeply, loving you first? Lord, we give you our lives again. We lay them down as a living sacrifice that kind of keeps getting back up and walking away. We come back to you again and say, Lord, our life is yours. We want you first so that you can experience with us, Lord, the joy of intimacy. That's what we desire, Lord, intimacy with you. So fill us, even in this moment, as we recommit ourselves to you, Lord, fill us again with the wonder of your love. Pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.